0: Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos and today we're going to be talking about enrichment. It's something that we have indirectly referred to in a lot of episodes, but today I thought we should directly hit it straight up in terms of what does enrichment mean and what does it mean in terms of the practical sense of how should we um, apply that in our everyday life with our dog. So enrichment is biological fulfillment. It's expressing natural behaviors. So our dogs are predators. They do prefer to chase things. They prefer to, when they do get a hold of that thing, to destroy, to dismember it so they can consume it instinctively. But now we have them as our companions in our backyard and what do they want to do? They want to chew the wicker furniture. They're going to dig the holes. They're going to bark. They're going to try to get out to get your attention. They're going to fulfill their own natural instinctive behaviors to make their day go by and to feel good, to find their own biological fulfillment. So what we want to do is try to redirect some of that destructive behavior, especially when they're left unattended. And it's usually when we start to see the destructive behavior occurring, because of course, if we're there, we can then correct them in that moment to tell them that they're not allowed to do that, or we can manage them. But it's when we leave them alone is when we will find they do things that we don't like them to do. So using enrichment as a regular activity, especially for our young dogs and puppies, and also we can even incorporate our regular mills in the enrichment as well. So enrichment would be something, and a lot of people are familiar with what a Kong is. K O N G. If you're not, look it up. It's basically a rubber toy that is like wider at the bottom and it gets smaller at the top and it's hollow on the inside. And there are different colors, which mean they're different grade of, um, of density. The black ones are most, they say, I won't say indestructible but a lot harder to destroy and like the red one I think is the softest or maybe I think the light blue is. And um, yeah, light blue is the softest. So for like little tiny puppies, you get a smaller one. For big um, Doberman, you give them a bigger one. So, um, so we'll talk about the Kong real quick. Is that how should you use it? At first, you want to make the Kong really easy for a dog to get their food out. So you can put a bit of kibble in there or a couple of frankfurt's or something that can easily come out nothing that's too sticky um, some people do prefer to use peanut butter they can put it just on the um, the top of the rim just on the inside of the rim so the puppy learns to like lick it out or your young dog learn, lick it out and push it around and bits of food comes out making the enrichment toys at first very easy is important so that our dogs find the value and the success with actually doing it and or participating where a lot of the times if we make it really hard for the food to come out like we put a hard biscuit that just jams in there. If you if your finger can't get it out, your young dog that doesn't know the game won't get it. Eventually over time we will make it a little bit harder for the dog to get the food out of the Kong. And that way there it does give them something that's prolonged um, enrichment, prolonged um, activity for them to be doing. So let's give an example. And this is the best example and I think I have said it before. But I was looking after a Doberman for about two weeks and he was... Severely a pain in the butt. Like, you know, he, he didn't like being on his own out in the backyard because he got, you know, he was very spoiled at home and things like that. But a big issue that I had, especially with a deep chest of dogs is that if they eat their food very quickly, I gave him his big meal that he ate for the day and he ate that within like eight seconds. So there I saw there was a few issues. If he eats that very quickly and then like decides to run around and bounce around in circles, his stomach can invert and then things happen like the gastric, the gastric gases. Or juices or whatever, something happens within the stomach that they start to um, expand in their body, and we call it bloat because their body starts to physically bloat. And if we don't get medical attention soon, like within minutes, sort of thing, um, our dogs can die from that. So I see D'Artagnan eating the food so quickly that was his, that was a Doberman's name. And um, when I i witness witnessed him eating so crazy. I'm like, no, nah, next time I'm going to feed him, I'm going to give him a few Kongs. So I did have some extra large Kongs at home. I had three of them. So I was able to put his kibble. And for D'Artagnan, he was an older dog. He was like two years old at the time. He has played with Kongs before. So I could make it hard and actually make it hard for a reason for this dog because um, I wanted to. Fulfill, I wanted to prolong how long it took him to eat. Because I, and I did that mainly for two reasons. Of course, I didn't want to eat so quick so it can prevent bloat. And also, it gives him something to do for, instead of eight seconds of eating his food, it took him 45 minutes. I put all of his kibble inside the Kong. I've cupped it with all of his mints. I put them in the bowl. I put them down. I told him to eat it. And 45 minutes that first time it took him. He was frustrated. He was bouncing and jumping on top of it, throwing it against the fence. But it was 45 minutes I didn't have to hear him barking and whining for attention because it gave him something to do. So then what I did later on as we were looking after him, again, he was on his own in this first couple of days until other dogs were going to come. So I would split his food instead of giving it to him all in one meal. I split it up throughout the day so it gave him prolonged time to be doing stuff and it did seem to be very effective. But you don't have to put their entire meal in there, which I do suggest you do. You can just put extra little bit of treats. As I said before, a bit of um, peanut butter. You can even put like mints in there. And then if your dog's really well-versed in what the Kong is, you can freeze freeze the contents and then give it to them on a hot day and it takes longer for them to eat it. So as I said, make it easier first and then harder over time. Bones, antler, um, deer antlers, goat horns, can also be forms of enrichment. So bones, how I like to give bones and feed my dogs is that that is their meal for the day. So for example, once, sometimes twice a week, I'll give spades his brisket bone or a chicken carcass or a turkey neck. So it's food that he can completely consume where a lot of those like hard marrow bones, dogs can't really chew it. And the problem with very hard, hard bones like the marrow bone or um and other bigger, tougher, like those soup bones, is that it can kind of like square off your dog's teeth. And it happened with my old dog, Ace. He would chew on that marrow bone for so long that he had squared off canines and his nerve endings were showing at the end. So bone content, when it comes to like their feeding and with Nookie, because she's a lot smaller, I only give her like a chicken wing or I'll break up some of the carcass and give that to her. Where for her to eat a brisk of bone, she can choke on it. Is her her throat's probably only like a centimeter um, in diameter. So I don't want anything too big going in there and, you know, getting stuck. So the bones would be like a once or twice a week event. That is their meal. It's good for their teeth. It gives them something to do for half an hour and it's really good. Bones too often that they can consume can build up a lot of like calcium in their in their poo and they can kind of get dislodged and they cause constipation and things like that. So but where the deer antler or the goat horn, those things are like longer-lasting items. They can sit around for a very long time. And your dog can just plug away at it and just chew at it. And as it starts getting smaller or more destroyed, you chuck it out and you get a new one. And um, it's something that more people have been getting more regularly and it has been um, a really good um, tool to use. So I would probably suggest with the deer antler or the goat horn, maybe present it and give it to your dog when you're out for the day. When you get back home, take it away so it kind of keeps its novelty. Where if it sits around all day, it's probably not good. And the thing about bones as well, if you feed too often, is that if your dog's full he's going to go take his bone somewhere, dig it up, and then go for it later, where it can, like, harbor a lot of bacteria. Um, If your dog resource guards and you walk past that buried bone where you don't know it's there, your dog, like, nails you for it Um, or with other dogs running around, you just don't want that. And also, if your dog's burying it, then he's full, so um, he should be eating it as food. You can get things as well. This kind of goes under enrichment, kind of goes along the same lines, but a slow feeding bowl can also be helpful if your dog does eat very quickly. So Nookie tends to eat very quick. So I've got one of those rubber um, slow feed bowls. I just put a feed in there and you know, instead of her eating it in one minute, maybe it takes her three minutes. So it could be harder for her, but I, um, I choose to use the slow feeding bowls as well. But it's, as I said before, there's our different ones. There's one that look like mountain range, like it looks like the mountain terrain. So like it's very hard for your dog to get in there and it can take them like up to 20 minutes to eat their food. It depends on how much your dog wants the food as well. If your dog's very fussy and you make it even harder, then they're going to try even less to even eat their food. So think about those things as well. Now I get this all the time. People say, I give my dog toys and he keeps on destroying them. And the point of giving toys is, is for them to destroy it. So I would suggest not buying expensive dog toys like soft toys from like the pet store probably and maybe getting more cheaper cheaper toys like maybe like the Reject Store or the second um, like all. what I used to do with Spades and Ace when they were really young is because if I left them in the courtyard where I would live with my parents, they would like destroy the plants and they would like do God knows what. So I um my f- mum's my friend worked at St Vincent's of Paul. And if you don't live in Australia, that's basically like a charity where people like bring all their stuff. So we can like, they can resell it f- um, to make money for their, their charity. And there was like three massive bags of stuffed toys that my mum's friend couldn't get rid of. So she just gave it to us. And basically I just gave him a stuffed toy every day or-, or every day or two. And that allowed them, like I would come home and the thing was destroyed And that was good because the more they destroyed that stuff and had fun with it, then they didn't have to destroy too many of our things. If I knew what I knew now 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't just leave them free roaming and I'd probably set it up and manage it a little bit better. But we learn over the years. But one thing I did do back then was expect them to destroy the toys instead of destroying our things. If your dog is swallowing the stuffings and like the little buttons of like the teddy bear eyes or you know, any contents of any toy, then you have we have to manage them in a little bit of a different way and that goes outside of enrichment and more into like management, maybe having like a dog run or um, a certain area where it's a lot more clinical and then you just have to give them different stuff and kind of trial and error. So just make sure you're supervising your dogs at the beginning because if they swallow a lot of stuffing, that could be bad. And because my dogs never did swallow any of that stuff, I was able to hide some food in these random stuffed toys, so I gave them a little bit extra incentive to to destroy it. Also other things, and again, these are more like um, homemade sort of enrichment, and again, you have to supervise your dogs. Just like I said in the previous point, if you are, if your dogs are consuming any of these, the next two things that I'm going to say, then you, this game isn't for them. But cardboard boxes, instead of chucking them in the recycle bin, pass them through your dogs first, let them destroy them, dismantle it, and then you can pick it all up and chuck it out. Um, if they don't swallow it, it's a great thing because you can even like Put some food like a bit of kibble inside um, a cardboard box and just scrunch it up and chuck it in the yard and let them just fight over it. No, not fight over it, play over it and destroy it and it just gives them some fun in the day. Beats them digging holes and finding other things to choose. So cardboard boxes can be an option. Also plastic bottles. And I'm sure I've said this many times on the, on the show before is that I would get like a, a milk carton or an, like an empty Coke bottle, things like that, take all the labels off, take your little rings around the, um, the bottle head and take off the lid. I'll put some food in there, a bit of kibble, a bit of meat, whatever. And at, f- at first, like when the first week or so of giving this game, the holes that I cut with like a standing knife or scissors are really big, like three or four of them. And that way they're having like some easy food that can come out as your dog rolls the bowl, bottle around. He finds success in interacting with this bottle. Again, if you just put the food in there, put the lid on, give it to him, he's going to push it around a little bit. And if he hasn't got that much drive, some dogs will like beat that thing up. But others aren't that, um, aren't that creative and they aren't that destructive, but they still want some success in the game. Otherwise, his bottle is just going to sit around. So there's big holes at first make the food come out. Then over the days and weeks go by with the new bottles that you use, those holes will get a little bit smaller and smaller. And as they start to get smaller... It takes longer for those those little bits of food to fall out and then it starts to encourage the dog to destroy the bottle. And again, if he's not swallowing the plastic, really make sure that you're observing your dog okay. and as well as observing their their feces over the next couple of days of doing this just to make sure nothing's going in there. You don't want any medical issues. But with my dogs, I used to be able to get a Gatorade bottle, very thick um, plastic, put food in there like half their dinner and put the lid on and I'd leave it for them and they had to like destroy the bottle, get their food and it was... And it really worked well, and it does work very well. So that's a point. The, po- the point of the and the sorry, the point of the bottle is for him to destroy it and to push it around. It makes noise. They stomp on it and carry it around. It makes a lot of noise, and that can kind of help with making it a little bit more engaging as well. And then um, when the bottle's done or if it's like flattened out and you can't really use it anymore, just chuck it out and go for another one. So. On those hot days you can get a ice ice cream container or takeaway container fill it up with some water a bit of beef stock chuck some kibble you know chuck some food in there a bit of meat freeze it and then on the day you get pop it off let your dog play around with that and that gives them you know as long as it takes for it to melt as well as them to chew on it and lick it and push it around and things like that so um and that could be like for their breakfast so instead of feeding them from the bowl either do it through training which we've discussed at length or we talk about enrichment items like the frozen the frozen goodies. Another form of enrichment can be using like something called a flirt pole, and you don't need to know what that is, but we could get a tug, tie it to a rope, and then either hang it off a strong branch of a tree or off our ceiling. So that way there if your dog, especially those bully breeds and those working dogs, they really want to play around and have a bit of um, of that intense game then if we play with that and engage with them a lot what I would probably suggest at first is that you have the rope long enough so the tugs on the ground so your dog doesn't have to like try to jump and catch it he gets it has some success with playing it the thing about it being tied to something secure is that he can't take it with him but he's trying to tug with it and becomes a bit of a game some dogs will leave it alone and not touch it and other dogs are all over it. The more you engage with it in the early days, the more they'll understand that's a place to go where they can get that real intense energy out of their system. And um, yeah, So then you have it a little bit on the floor at first and then over time just shorten it, shorten it, shorten it so that way it's hanging off the ground, shoulder height where you dog can grab it and have a bit of fun. And um, and That sort of tug can be one of those ropey tugs or something. It's nothing that we talk about in terms of using tug in terms of training. This is more about playing with it at home. You can also um, fill up those shells or those clams. as like a little kid pool that's like hard plastic and having that up on the ground there with um, bottles in there like some of those Kongs and a couple of other toys. You can even fill up some water in there so your dog can go in there and play around and have fun. Alternatively, drill some holes at the bottom of one of those shells, those big pools. and, And they're not that big, maybe like a meter square. And you fill it up with sand and then you can hide treats in there. So instead of him digging in the backyard, he can find some success in digging in the sand and getting his food out. He can even over time as he starts to understand that's what that—that's um, what the sandy shell is for, then you can hide his Kongs in there and hide that bottle with the food and start making a little bit more, have some more surprises and presents in there. So he's like, wow, I really love um, engaging with this activity. And you may find that he does a lot less holes in your yard. And that will kind of dovetail into some enrichment games where when it comes to like hiding food in the sand, put him in your in his cradle, put him inside the house when you do that so he doesn't see you doing it because he's probably going to like ruin the game before it even begins and then like either walk him up to it or let him go and suss it out and find out for himself. But then also what you can do is some of his food for the day or just extra treats, you can go hide them. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of this technique but a lot of people do like it so I thought I should just offer it anyway is that you can go around your backyard and hide food in different areas. At first, make it a little bit easier and then over time, a little bit harder. So that way, they're that time that you do send them outside to go out to work, it's not they go outside and straight away come back to the door and like, oh my God, oh my God, you're leaving. And it's like, oh my God, I'm out here. I'm going to go look for my food. takes me half hour to do that. And that can kind of ease that sort of transition. Gives them something else to do. That along with all the other different stuff, your dog's kind of busy for a few hours in the yard. Time to sleep and wake up and repeat the reason why I don't really like hiding food around and letting my dog find it is that we kind of encourage scavenging behavior. And the problem with that is that your dog finds more value in the floor than he does from you, especially when he's out and there's like a Kentucky fried chicken bone on the ground. And we know what's cooked, cooked chicken bones are like, you know, very, very bad, notorious for um, dogs to get splinters in their in their esophagus, and in their intestinal linings, as well as choking on it and things like that. So, um, that's why I don't really want my dogs to be scavenging so much. If you can put it on command or if it's only in context of the backyard, then maybe we, it could be okay. So just be aware of that as well. But um, that's a couple of ideas about enrichment. Enrichment can is a quite a deep topic and actually the deeper you go, it, it kind of works into enrichment on a macro scale is what we're trying to teach on at Life With Your Dog. It's all about fulfilling your dog's needs, giving them a job, um, you know, giving them regular mental stimulation so that their life is already balanced so that we don't have to see frustrated sort of behaviors. A lot of enrichment is necessary for those dogs up to like 18 months to like three years old sort of thing. As they get older, your dog generally starts to settle a little bit. Some dogs still require that regular enrichment. Um, But for those young dogs, we want to like give it – so on the the micro, it's all of these things that we talked about. On the macro, it's about everything that we do. And this is another component of life with your dog, literally. And um, enrichment, sometimes – like you see a lot and very important at the zoo, there's different forms of enrichment. So sometimes with the lions, for example, they get those big blue drums, those plastic drums, and they leave them there. So the lion goes up on the back of it, sinks his um, claws into the back of it and like likes to hold the back of it. And if you look at that image, and then you look at the image of this of a lion taking down a zebra, you can see them getting up on the back, and it's a technique they use. So fulfilling that need, it just gives them that little bit extra enrichment in the day, especially when they're confined in a zoo. It, you know, it sucks for them. So you know, they um, hide food for like the tigers up in the tree, and they do different things or they throw into the water so they have to go instead of just eating the food they have to like do a little bit of natural behaviour to fulfil it. With the meerkats they before they bring them out they hide the food in different areas of the yard because they are scavengers so they want to go out there and do it. The best form of enrichment for, for meerkats would be expressing their natural behaviour so whatever it is that they eat in the wild you let let that be there so they can go find it but being in in conservation it's not possible. The best form of enrichment for a lion, I'm sure, is if you just chuck a goat in there, and then he has to like do the deed to kill it. But that then that crosses the line of, of ethics and and what's appropriate. So we can't do that, and we're not going to chuck a chicken in our backyard for our dog to keep chasing it all day and then to kill it because that would be inhumane for the chicken. But for your dog, you'd really find desirable. So you need to find ways to replace it to fulfill it, and that's what enrichment's all about. So sorry for the crude examples. But we're talking about predators here, we're talking about animals and um, we need to honour what it is that they need on a regular basis. Just like we're hunter-gatherers by by origin back in those you know thousands of years, we still fulfil those needs one way or another in our daily life, in our civilised life, but they may not be so obvious. And if you're not getting it, maybe it's a reason why you're feeling down, you're not being fulfilled. So find... Think of biological fulfillment of exactly what that is—mind, body, and heart—and in terms of honoring what it is that your dog is, so we can give it to them. And don't be that upset with them when they don't, when they do destroy the yard, when they do dig the holes. So in my yard, I do have that yard split in half that I talk about all the time. I can put a dog there tomorrow and he's okay to be back there because I'm happy with what he destroys back there. So management does come involved. Enrichment in and of itself isn't going to fix it. If you have nice things, remove them or remove your dog from that area, and on top of that, give them their enrichment. So if you do have that yard, make that yard so enriching that they'd rather stay there than be in your immediate area. Over time, if they don't learn the habit of doing destructive behavior, but they fulfill it by getting other things, then that habit hasn't been entrenched too hard, and then they can live a little bit more free in our yard and in our house and then eventually it can be the dog that you've always wanted or that you've always had before but we want to set our dogs up for success and we we need to be proactive before they go out to the yard, before they're going to spend that time on their own. Before you put them in the crate, you can give them a Kong. It's not a bad thing but make sure that you're proactive and, um, and listen to this to try to fulfill it in your day and if there's any questions or any tips that you want to add Hit us up on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram are a little bit more active in, so share something on your stories and send us a DM um, for more actual practical sort of advice. um, When it comes to dog training, check out my page on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, Noochers Pooches. That's where um, a lot of um, these enrichment ideas are there in physical. So check that out. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening and provide some enrichment for you and your dog. Have a great day, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate, and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips, and techniques, visit au. Thank you, and stay tuned for next time.